0: This audio podcast is owned by Mike James and SmoothJazzAndMore.com for the sole purpose of entertaining our audience. Any use of this audio podcast in any other form without the express written consent of Mike James or SmoothJazzAndMore.com is strictly prohibited. Copyright 2008, SmoothJazzAndMore.com All rights reserved. I'm here with Ken Navarro, Smooth Jazz guitarist. He's been... Uh, doing smooth jazz for a number of years, and uh, your latest CD is called The Grace of Summer Light. That's been your 18th release?
1: That's correct. I know. I've been busy these last 20 years.
0: Yeah, and in my opinion, it's one of your most ambitious projects. Uh, To me, the album sounds a bit more like fusion than smooth jazz. Do you get that... uh, that uh, impression from other listeners who've been accustomed to your work over the years?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's real interesting seeing how people are reacting to this. First off, what's been really nice to see is that my fan base that I've built up, you know, via a lot of smooth jazz airplay and concerts throughout the last 20 years, they love it, you know. And I was a little concerned because it really is quite a departure. Um, it, it's clearly the most ambitious thing that I've done, um, and uh, I think it's it's. Um, it's so important for an artist to continue to grow that you never can stop. And I think that's that's something that you owe your audience, um, you know, to continue to expand and, and develop. But you always are a little concerned, especially when you make a huge leap, which which the grace of Summer Light uh, most definitely is. You know, you, know, you want to make sure that your fan base, you don't lose them. Um, and it, along those lines, it was interesting. Um, I actually quote-unquote, leaked a demo of the title track uh, way back in uh, February of this year before I'd even recorded the actual players. And my, I make these demos. They're very elaborate, and it's what I give the musicians so they can learn the music. But at any rate, I leaked one on the Internet and uh, to see how people would react to it, and it was amazing. I mean, the response was, you know, overwhelmingly positive, And in fact... What was really great was people got it. They really understood that this was this was a um, uh, a much deeper thing I was going for, both musically and emotionally. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's uh, just this last week we played a show uh, up at uh, in the Finger Lakes region of New York at the Glenora Winery for about six, seven hundred people, and we played thirty minutes from the album in the middle of my full show, and uh, it was just. Great to, to see pe- people hear it live, and and you know the power of it was was um, was
0: very exciting for me. Now. Mm-hmm. Just getting along the lines of smooth jazz, some music artists get rather annoyed when they say their music is classified as smooth jazz. They feel the genre is not real jazz, but elevator music. Do you find yourself agreeing with that analogy, or uh, Uh, is that uh, something different? Uh, It's really something different.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you can battle labels, um, but in the end, I think the labels serve a purpose of giving people a... Um, a way to identify what it is that that types of music that they like and they want to follow. And, you know, I've been doing this so long that I I was doing it when there were three or four different names for this style of music, you know. (laughs) I mean, even in radio, there were three or four different names. I remember there were three main magazines that had charts for, for radio, And each one had its own name. And by the way, none of them were Smooth Jazz. (laughs) So, you know, when the name Smooth Jazz came along um, and it became kind of the solidified name, um, you know, I I felt that it was a good thing because at least there was finally some common denominator that we could all agree on. That's what this is. It's called Smooth Jazz. Now, I, I understand, you know, the feeling, and I certainly have had it at times, where you know, the concept of smooth meaning that it's easy listening. But I must say there's a large community of listeners, um, people who buy CDs and and buy concert tickets, who the word smooth is a very positive thing to. It's connotated with cool and um, uh, hip. So, you know, whatever people want to call it, to the extent that it's affiliated with with. You know, yeah, the stuff that's background music and is meant to be "quote unquote" light. You know, I wish that I didn't have that affiliation. And certainly, with the grace of summer light, the affiliation makes no sense at all. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, with 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 the idea of light or, or elevator music, but but the concept of smooth, the fact that it 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 um, um, you know, when you take the connotations of it being something that's cool and hip and adults and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I think it makes perfect sense, and I, uh, you know, short short answer is possible to that. I, I think it's better to have have a moniker that that uh, people can attach to rather than you know uh, some vague kind of concept that that uh, you can never really quite quite explain what it is.
0: Okay. Now you developed your own record label, Positive Music, in 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that come about?
1: Well, I was living in L.A. at the time, working as a studio guitar player and kind of a jack of all trades on the guitar. You know, one day I'd be in the studios recording a rock jingle for a for a beer commercial, and the next day I'd be doing um, um, a country uh, album for some artist and that that kind of thing. I was just doing all kinds of styles and all kinds of things, and around 1989. Um, a station in L.A. That, that's called The Wave emerged, and it just was like everything that I had been moving towards was right there, and they were playing it on the air on a major station in L.A., and so I started writing again. I'd always written it. I'd always had my own bands, but when you live in L.A., it's such a competitive place to work. As a musician, you really tend to put aside some of your creative um, impulses and try to just make a living, (laughs) you know. So um, basically uh, around 1989, I heard that station. It really inspired me to go back to to my writing and to start to combine all of my different influences into some style that was uniquely me. Um, And I spent the better part of a year recording an album, which turned out to be my first album, The River Flows. And in the process of shopping it around to different labels, I realized that I could do this myself and that I would retain control of it artistically and business-wise. And so I started Positive Music Records, and uh, we signed a few more artists. And before you know it, we were, we were a full-fledged record company with, with international distribution, and, and, um, and, and that's, that, that's really how it happened. It was you know, before the Internet, before, not before computers, but before you know, the whole idea of, of technology as we know it now in communication uh, had changed. But as it turned out, all, if I, all that stuff just made, made having my own label that much more feasible.
0: Now, who are some of the big names, who are some of the artists that are on your label?
1: Well, we, we have had a lot of different people over the years. We put out three CDs by a, a great keyboardist named Greg Karukas, who was one of the founding members of the Rippingtons and has continued to put out hit records on his own. Uh, we have a couple CDs by the, the amazing saxophonist Brandon Fields, another original member of the Rippingtons, um, but just a great jazz player who's, who's played with, with everybody, one of the top L.A. studio players as well. Um, we had um, a CD by a guitarist who's also in L.A., but originally from Niagara Falls, named Tom Ritella, um a wonderful seasoned veteran of, of jazz guitar, great player and just nu- numerous, numerous things. I think over the years we've put out close to a hundred
0: titles. That's great. Well, I um, wanted to ask your quest- your opinion, basically, on the Internet royalty beta as you- debate. As you mm-hmm. may know, record labels with the help of the uh, Recording Industry Association of America, there they're asking for huge increases in fees for internet radio stations as opposed to FM and satellite radio. And all this is with the help of the Copyright Royalty Board in Washington. What is your opinion on that?
1: Well, I followed it very closely, Mike. It's it's very interesting to me because obviously as much of a musician as a, as my focus is, I also i am very aware of the business side of things. I think the bottom line is that... that this new kind of radio, specifically internet radio, is the future. And uh, it's extremely exciting for an artist like me who's been independent for, for 20 years now. Um, I think the bottom line for me, and this is trying to cut through all of the legalities of it and, and the variety of ethical issues that, that, that surround it. The bottom line for me is internet radio has got to be allowed to have a birth, and it's still in that process. And if you tax it, you'll literally to death. Then it's like destroying the future. And and clearly, this is the way things are going. And clearly, that's the best thing for for the listeners. And it's the best thing for the artists. Um, so my feeling is, you know, you you can't you can't charge something or tax something when, some, when, when an entity isn't earning money yet or earning very much money yet. Otherwise, you just you, it's like you nip it in the butt. So in a nutshell, that, that, that's, that's how, how I'm looking at a lot of what's been developing. Okay.
0: Let's uh, change, uh, change direction for a little bit. Let's talk about influences. How did you come across guitar and uh, who motivated you to succeed?
1: That's a good question. Um, well, I started playing piano when I was five years old, and I played piano till I was about 11. And I loved it, and I got a lot out of it, and I had some very progressive teachers who taught me how to play by ear as well as reading music and taught me theory, you know, how music worked, which to this day is, you know, of, a lot of great interest to me. And then I was about, when I was 11, one night in February, I turned on the Ed Sullivan Show and saw the Beatles, and, you know, I just wanted to play the guitar from then on out. And my, my parents didn't want to hear about it. You know, they wanted me to keep playing the piano. Uh, eventually, I built my own guitar out of, out of a piece of wood, nails, and rubber bands. <laughs> and that was the point. Remember, I was 11. And that was the point that my parents said, okay, I think we really should get him a guitar because he's, <laughs> he's really obsessed with this. And so from then on out, I played the guitar. I've had many influences along the way growing up in Washington, D.C., I was kind of a mixed thing of the 60s influences like Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton, but I also loved all the Motown music and, and just great songwriting that, that you heard out of, out of the Motown records and out of the Beatles, and, and so uh, it was pretty much that kind of thing that I came out of and, and when I went off to music school and college, and it was there that I discovered jazz in a big way. Uh, originally the Mavish New Orchestra and Chick Korea and then eventually Pat Metheny became a major uh, inspiration and, and to this day continues to be a major inspiration. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I think from the success standpoint, um, you know, you draw from so many things, both musically and, and non-musical, that, that, that de- make you determined to reach your goals. And the one principle that I that I held very firmly to all these years, and especially with the grace of Summer Light and, and the, the, the kind of effort and work that it took to create that, that CD, I really hold to the principle that you just have to give your best, and if you do, the success will follow. Maybe not always immediately, but it, it's, it's about to follow, It's about doing your best and then following through at that same level.
0: Now, is there one music artist that you would like to record with that you haven't done up to this point
1: well there's many 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 that, that i would that i would love to uh record with um gosh you know th- that's so tough for me because i i mean the obvious answer is is Papacini because he's he's been such an inspiration um and i just would, would love to have that opportunity to do it to do, to do something that involved involved him uh, but um i'm also a huge fan of of many different drummers um, there's, there's a couple different drummers that, that I'm, well, I'm, I'm lucky I'm working with one of, one of my people. I always wanted to work with Joel Rosenblatt now. He played on The Grace of Summer Light, one of the greatest uh, drummers in the world, and, he, and he's been doing, doing all my touring with me. He was just at, at the show up in uh, Finger Lakes. Uh, but there's some other drummers I'd love to record with. One of them is Dave Weckl. Um, another one is the great drummer Vinny Calyuta who's played with Sting and Frank Zappa. Just you could name them almost any, everybody, and <laughs> he's probably played with him at some time or another. So little by little, you know, um, I, 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 I get my opportunities to, to work w- with, with some of the musicians I've admired over the years. Well,
0: you, you played in Geneva last weekend. Um, where can your uh, fans uh, look forward to seeing you next, where will you be performing next?
1: Well, my next show is in uh, the Washington, D.C. area, um, a new... Um, community there called National Harbor. It's actually in Maryland, but it's very close to the National Airport in Washington, D.C. Um, it's, uh, National Harbor is this new area that's just really growing fast. and I'm doing an outdoor free concert there on Friday, August 29th, uh, which is going to be a, a really nice show. Um, and Then I travel to Springfield, Massachusetts a few weeks later to play a, a concert there. Then I've got a couple things definite in October, one in Manchester, Connecticut, and then another one down in Orlando, um, Melbourne, Florida area, and a bunch of other stuff on the books that I can't really mention yet because until they're contracted, um, I'm not allowed to, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing it.